Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're well. I'm happy this morning because our video is back, and it's good to be with you live. Truly it is. Yesterday, we went back to to, um, going through the Catechism Explained, which, as I said, was the Catechism of Trent, and I would want to urge everybody to get it. It's on Amazon, but the publisher that you can get it directly from, if you wish, is a wonderful Catholic gentleman who heads Mediatrics Press. And um, it doesn't say the Council of Trent as the title. It is the, um, it is the uh, what is it, um, the Catechism Explained, but it is the Catechism of Trent that's being explained. That was the last doctrinal um, Council. Again, Vatican II was a pastoral council, um, didn't bring any new doctrine, and no doctrine that was given to the church could ever be changed. So you will be um, 100% uh, in the catechism explained together with your families. And I've said before, it's along the lines of the Baltimore Catechism question and answer. Why did God make me? Who is God? How do I know that he exists? All of that. Why am I on earth? What is my end? Um, It's very important. And I've always suggested that when you read it as a family to your children, let them answer the questions in full sentences. Um, um, Why am I here? Don't let them say to love, serve, and worship God on this earth. And to be um, with him in the next, don't say that. It needs to be, I am here in order to, or God made me to, let them get the whole sentence so they get the question with the answer. Um, Very important for their learning the faith. I'd like to continue now in the catechism for where we were yesterday. We started at the beginning of section five, the Christian faith, and point one, which I won't repeat, I'll just repeat the point, but not the discussion, is Christian faith is the firm conviction arrived at with the grace of God that all that Jesus Christ taught on this earth is true, as well as all that the Catholic Church teaches by the commission she has received from him. And let's see now, the second point, why am I not getting the second point? Hold on just a moment, please. Um, Hmm. I'm missing a point. Let me just find it. Hold on just a moment. Um, I don't know why I'm missing that. Let me try one more time here. Um, Here it is. I'm sorry. Point two. Faith is concerned with many things which we cannot perceive with our senses and cannot grasp with our understanding. And that's the point. And the explanation says, 
And it's straight from the letter to the Hebrews. Faith is a conviction respecting that which we see not. We believe in God, though we do not see him. We believe in angels, though we have never seen them. We believe in the resurrection of our bodies, though we do not understand how it can be. So, too, we believe in the mysteries of the Blessed Trinity, of the Incarnation, and of the Blessed Sacrament of the Altar. This is why faith is so pleasing to God. Blessed are they, says our Lord to St. Thomas, who have not seen but have believed. Faith never requires us to believe anything that is contrary to human reason. The mysteries of faith are above and beyond our reason, but are never opposed to reason. For God has given us our reason, and it is the same God who has given us the teaching of Christ and of the Church. He who rejects any doctrine of the Church ultimately finds himself involved in a contradiction. And this is a quote from um, uh, from Bacon, a, a famous author, who says, "A little philosophy makes a man. A little philosophy takes a man away from religion, but a sound knowledge of philosophy brings him back to religion. Philosophy is to understand why we do what we do, why we believe what we believe, not just what we believe." but why we believe what we believe, the understanding of it, the reasoning of it. So we could have a little philosophy, and it may take us from God. But if we have sound knowledge of philosophy, it'll bring us back to him. Just like quoting a little verse out of context, may, may, uh, uh, one may prove contrary to the faith with that. Um, but to truly read everything in context, the scriptures that God gave through the Catholic Church, quoting now Martin Luther, um, um, is, to, um, is to understand the faith. Point three, we act quite in accordance with reason when we believe because we trust ourselves to God's truthfulness and because we know for certain that the truths of faith are revealed to us by God. <clears throat> And it goes on to say, a short-sighted man believes a man with longer sight when he tells him that a balloon is floating in the heavens. A blind man receives one with sound sight when he tells him that the map before him is a map of Europe. We believe in the existence of cities, the cities of Constantinople, Pekin, and Buenos Aires, though we may never have seen them. In so doing, we act reasonably. But how far more reasonably do we act when we believe God? Man may be mistaken or may be deceiving us, whereas God cannot err and cannot deceive us. It is the truthfulness of God on which we rely when we make an act of faith. We must, however, previously be certain that the doctrine or fact which we are asked to believe is one that has really been revealed by God. God bears witness to himself as the author of the truths of faith by many actions that he alone can perform, such as miracles and prophecies. The man of goodwill can always find sufficient reason for believing, a man of bad will an excuse for not believing. We believe the words of Christ because he is the Son of God and can neither be uh, deceived or deceive. 
Moreover, he has established the truth of what he taught by the miracles that he worked. It would be a blasphemy to suppose that our Lord, who is truth itself, could ever have, in one single instance, deceived us. Hence, faith gives us a greater certainty than the evidence of our senses. Our senses can deceive us. God cannot deceive us. Christ himself appeals to the miracles he wrought when he says, in the Gospel of John, if anyone will not believe me, let him believe the works that I do. We believe the teaching of the church because Christ guides the church to all truth through the Holy Spirit and guards it against all error. And also because God, even up to the present day, has confirmed the truth of the teaching of the Catholic Church by miracles. And beloved, when we say church, we speak of the church our Lord founded over 2,000 years ago. Not 40 plus thousand denominations, not an invisible body of Christ, but the institution, the Catholic Church, just as I mentioned yesterday, he formed a hierarchy of his people Israel. He formed a people for himself. They were called a Kahal, Q-A-H-A-L, no you, Q-A-H-A-L. And they were to be a people set apart, and they were to live according to certain laws that were not optional, uh, certain culture, food, clothing, mannerisms, all of that. And if they failed, if anyone did their own thing, they would be put to death. They had a priesthood, and anyone who claimed to be a priest who was not was put to death. And so when our Lord came to not abolish, as he says, the old, but to fulfill it, and he was the Messiah, whom, who was the seed of Eve, the seed of Abraham, uh, rather Adam and Eve, whom would, who would crush the head of the serpent, who would reverse the curse, whom God established a people from Abraham on all the way to Christ to bring the seed of the woman, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Anointed One to the world. He came through the Jewish people for them and for the entire world. And when he came, there was salvation in no one else. Uh, St. Luke wrote in Acts chapter 12, or rather chapter 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, and that is Jesus Christ. Yeshua in Hebrew, HaMashiach. Jesus the Messiah. Jesus the Christ, the Savior, the Anointed One, the Redeemer. Christ is not his name, it's his title. He is the Messiah. And he came to the Jew first and also to the Greek or the Gentile, everyone else, two people in the world, Jews and non-Jews. He came through the Jews for the Jews and for the whole world to finally establish his church, his kahal, which in the Greek is called his ekklesia, from kahal in the Hebrew to ekklesia in the Greek of that day to church meaning called out ones in the English of our day. There's our first break, beloved. We'll be right back after the break. And after the second break, we'll have a whole half hour for your calls, your texts, your emails, with whatever is on your heart. And the toll-free number to call in, 1-877-511-5483. We'll be right back.
Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I discovered the Station of the Cross rather providentially a year ago. I've been a loyal listener ever since. I can't overestimate the value of the station when it's made a difference in my life in terms of making me better informed Catholic, has enriched my faith, and sold me during tough times, and made me laugh on several occasions. I commend the important work of this great apostolate. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I listen to the radio, and if I can listen to something that brings me closer to God, closer to Jesus Christ, then it's the most beautiful thing. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. My name is Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. I want to invite Catholic women to join us for our annual Lenten Women's Retreat with the community of St. John. This year's theme is Entering into Heartfelt Joy. The retreat will begin with Vespers at 5.30 p.m. on Friday, March 17th, and will end with lunch on Sunday, March 19th. Father Thomas Dunton from the community of St. John will be our priest and retreat master for the weekend. Cost is $260 per person. This includes overnight accommodations, meals, and retreat talks. Limited space is available, so register today at liturgyofthehours.org slash women's retreat. That's liturgyofthehours.org slash women's retreat. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am she and I am live and I'm thrilled to be with you. And the next seg, following the next seg, this segment, we'll begin for a whole half hour to take your calls, your texts, your emails, with whatever's on your heart. Um, no, I think we cannot take texts anymore, uh, but just your calls and your emails, and the toll-free number one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. Email is mother at thestationofthecross.com. Just before the break, we are reading uh, section five of the Catechism Explained. That's the Catechism of the Catholic Church Explained by Reverend Sparago. It's a wonderful book that I recommend that every Catholic have, either if you're single or for, your, or for the father to lead, the family through or for the mother to lead or the oldest son. Um, and I was just saying that um, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, covenant and testament are the same word. Um, prior to Christ, as you know, God formed a people for himself through whom he would bring the Savior, the seed promised in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the seed who would crush the head of the serpent, the seed of the woman who would crush the seed of, of Satan. And that happened on the cross. And our Lord... Um, uh, 
died for us. He rose from the dead for us. He was the Savior, the seed, singular, promised in Genesis 3.15, the Savior of the entire world. The Jews didn't exist at that time, but he formed a people for himself from Abraham on. And, and Abraham, they began, they became 12 great tribes, tribes of families, and would be through the tribe of Judah, Abraham, to Isaac, to Judah, and to the family of David, uh, that the Messiah would come. And he did come through a virgin named Mary, who was a virgin, who was of the tribe of David, and who became the mother of the Messiah. And the Messiah is God in human flesh. 100% man, through Mary, took flesh and blood, the same flesh and blood that we receive in Holy Eucharist, now risen and glorified, 100% God, 100% man. And it was Christ who said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And when he said church, he was talking about his people, the people, the church he um, established in the Old Testament. We didn't call it church then. We didn't have the language of English then. It was kahal, Q-A-H-A-L, with no U, Q-A-H-A-L. It meant the assembly of God's people. And when Christ came, he said, I will build my kahal. But the language was Greek, and the Greek word for kahal uh, is ekklesia, and that means the same as kahal, called out ones. And so I will build my kahal now of Jew and Gentile. I came through the Jews, for the Jews, for the whole world. The rest of the world wasn't plan B. It was always the savior of the world. So kahal in Hebrew became ekklesia in Greek and church in English. It's the same word. And as in the Old Covenant, God had a hierarchy. It was an institution with a hierarchy of priests and, and lay people and all of that under a certain liturgical law that they had to keep. Um, and anyone who abused that would be put to death. No one did their own thing. Um, there were no Protestants not, not staying alive. Um, Protestants, no. And so it began uh, in Exodus 19, God talked about a priesthood. He said, I will make you, you will be a holy people. Holy means to be set apart. A people set apart for my name. Um, you will be a holy priesthood. Israel had a ministerial priesthood, but the people were to be the common priesthood to bring the world to God. But only the holy priesthood could... Um, uh, uh, perform the liturgy. And so it is with the New Covenant. Peter uh, repeats the same quote that God gave the Jewish nation in Exodus. He said, you are a holy people talking to Christians. And actually, Peter wrote to Christians dispersed because they were persecuted for their faith. They were Jews, and they were dispersed all over Asia Minor. And he said, don't forget who you are. You are a people called for God's name, a holy priesthood. So just as in the old covenant, where God had a ministerial priesthood and a common priesthood, the people of Israel, so in the new covenant, in his blood, there is a holy priesthood, a ministerial priesthood, that, who are the true priests, and a common priesthood, who are us, uh, the priesthood of all believers. And no one but a priest should call himself a minister. No one. They are holy ministers, holy priests uh, to God. And there's a definite distinction between the um, uh, 
sacerdotal, the holy priesthood of true priests, and the laity. Uh, There must be. There must be, which is why laity should never be giving out Holy Communion. Only the sacramental hands of a priest should ever do that, should ever trust, touch the blessed host. And so God established a church. Um, and to continue now with the explanation in, in um, the Catechism Explained, Reverend Sparab says, we believe the teaching of the church, just back up one paragraph, because Christ guides the church to all truth, through the Holy Spirit, and guards it against all error. And also, because God, even up to the present day, has confirmed the truth of the teaching of the Catholic Church by miracles. Our Lord, before his ascension, said to his apostles, this is Matthew chapter 28, Behold, I am with you all days, even to the end of the world. And at the Last Supper in the Gospel of John, he said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another paraclete, that he may remain with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is therefore still in the midst of the church, just he was as he was on the day of Pentecost. God, moreover, still works miracles in the Catholic Church. Witness, for example, the countless miracles of the Lord and those that take place at the well of St. Winifred in Wales, and also those that must precede every beatification. Witness again the numerous bodies of the saints that have remained incorrupt for long years after their death, as those of St. Francis Xavier, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Elizabeth of Portugal, St. John of the Cross, and many others. Witness again the head of the venerable Oliver Plunkett in the Dominican convent at Drogheda, which not only remains incorrupt, but emits a most delicious fragrance. Most of these bodies were buried in the earth for years and were found incorrupt when their graves were opened. Witness again the miracle which takes place at Naples every year when the blood of St. Januarius becomes liquid on being brought near the silver case in which the head of the saint is kept and again solidifies as soon as it is removed. Faith gives us a more certain knowledge than that which we gain through our senses or that which we arrive at by reasoning powers. Our senses can mislead us. God cannot. For example, a stick, part of which is in the water, looks bent. A sound that strikes against a flat building seems to come from the opposite quarter to that whence it really proceeds. Our intellect, too, can deceive us weakened as it is by original sin. As we see better with a telescope than with the naked eye when the object is far away, so faith sees further and better than reason. We must not confuse faith with opinion. Faith is certain and sure. Opinion is not. Beloved, I don't, I think I first gave my life to Christ in 1976, I have to count how many years that is. And I entered the, as an evangelical Protestant trying to save Catholics. And I entered the Catholic Church, blessed be our Lord's name, and good faithful Catholics who helped me uh, in uh, 1995. It is now um, 2023. I'm 300 years old. Did you know that? I wake up every morning... And I still cannot get over the fact that I believe, that I believe. 
I say, why me? Why is over half the world walking around with no faith? Doomed. Why? Is that because they're all in original sin? Why are they doomed? Why don't they have faith? And why do I have faith? That's my answer. Why me? I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't a person without sin. Nobody is. I was flooded by his grace and brought to faith. There's no answer for that for me because even the desire to know him is God's gift. As the Mass says, the desire, even our ability to thank you, Lord, is, a, is in itself your gift. Why do I believe? Why do I believe? It's the loving grace of God. It has nothing to do with me. It does once I believe, because we can turn from God, because the truth makes us free, free from Satan, free from hell, free from death. Free to what? Free to follow God, to love him, to honor him, to know him, and to spread his name throughout all the world. But I'm not free if I'm not free to turn from him. There's no freedom to follow him if we become robots once we believe. Once saved, always saved. There's no such thing. The only time once saved, always saved is true is the final stage of sanctification, which is glorification. Romans 8, 29. Whom he foreknew, he... um, uh, sanctified, whom he sanctified, he glorified. I, I uh, justified, sanctified, glorified. I missed a few steps, but the final end is glorification. As Peter says, now is our salvation nearer than when we began, but we don't have it finally until we're in heaven and we've been glorified, and then we will never sin again, blessed be God. Then we can say, once saved, ultimately, always saved. Until then, it's a journey, beloved, and we can turn from God. He'll give us the grace not to, but he's also given the freedom to spit at him, which is what we do every time we sin. He's given us the freedom to turn from him, but he'll never reject the person who comes to him. He will not cast them out, no matter what you've done. If you've killed 20 people, if you have blasphemed his name all your life, no matter what you've done, no matter your habits, no matter your sins, He died for you. Do you have to get your act together to be worthy to be saved? Not only do you not have to, it's impossible for you to. We can do nothing apart from him. And a million holy acts, billions of holy acts through a billion eternities would never make up for our sin against the holy God. Only the holy, sinful Son of God did that on the cross. The only sacrifice God would accept. He was the final lamb, the Passover lamb, that took upon him the sins of the world and died for those sins and rose to give us life, which is why at every Mass in the Catholic Church, it is the only acceptable sacrifice to God. The Catholics re-sacrifice Christ. There's no way he died once for all. But the once-for-all sacrifice of Christ is eternal. He's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And it is that once-for-all sacrifice that comes down on every altar of every Catholic Church and is not re-sacrificed, but re-presented through the words of consecration of a priest. It's a terrific fairy tale, if it weren't true, beloved. You need to be Catholic. 
come home. If you left the church, come home. If you're Protestant, come all the way to Christ in the church that he established. If you're Jewish, you don't have a greater fulfillment of Judaism and the law of Moses than there is in the Catholic Church. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for February 15th. Today we celebrate Saint Claude de la Colombière. This is a special day for the Jesuits, who claim today's saint as one of their own. It's also a special day for the people who have a deep devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, a devotion Claude de la Colombière promoted, along with his friend and spiritual companion, Saint Margaret Mary Alacoque. The emphasis on God's love for all was an anecdote to the rigorous moralism of the Jansenists, who were popular in the mid-1700s. Claude showed remarkable preaching skills long before his ordination in 1675. Two months later, he was made superior of a small Jesuit residence in Burgundy. It was there he first encountered Sister Margaret Mary. For many years after, he served as her confessor. Claude was next sent to England to serve as confessor to the Duchess of York. He preached both by words and by the example of his holy life, converting a number of Protestants. Opposition against Catholics increased, and Claude, rumored to be part of a plot against the king, was imprisoned. He was ultimately banished, but by then his health had been ruined. Claude de la Colombière died in 1682. Pope John Paul II canonized him in 1992. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I was raised a Catholic and went to church every Sunday faithfully. I met a boy and he was non-Catholic, so I left the church to be with him. When I was away from church, I yearned to be home. What brought me back was my longing for the Eucharist. The Eucharist fills me with the spirit that you can't find anywhere else. I have a peace when I walk through the doors of the Catholic Church, like that's where I belong. We invite you to take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together. And anything that's on your heart, feel free to call in or email. And again, you can always do that anonymously. That's no issue to us. It's more important that what's on your heart can be helped um, toll-free, 1-877-544, oops, 5118. 5483. Let me see that. 877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have a call from Valerie in Virginia. Hi, Valerie. Good morning, Mother. How are you? I'm wonderful. How about yourself? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good. Um, I was calling just to help clarify something that uh, of an email that you read on Monday regarding mm-hmm. Judas being in hell. Okay, and, good. Um, he was he was quoting from uh, Mary Magdalene from the uh, the visions of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, and mm-hmm. I wanted to clarify for you because 
I have the books. I have her books, and I've read them. And, uh-huh. you know, she was an Augustinian nun, a stigmatist and a mystic. And, you know, her her accounts, they're, they're wonderful, and they, they are completely in line with sacred scripture. But when he quoted you a passage from there about Judas, that Judas never dreamed of, his, of our Lord being put to death, um, he shouldn't have stopped there, because it's not the whole story of what she says. Blessed Emmerich, um, she tells the story of, of Judas's betrayal and of his life and how even the Blessed Mother prayed for him. And he just totally went his own way, and she explains that in detail. But she also says that um, on, the, on the way, Judas overhears that Jesus is indeed condemned to death. He runs to the temple and tries to give back the money, but is put off with scorn. He becomes as one insane, um, casts the silver onto the floor of the temple, and flees the city. And he's overcome by despair. He hangs himself on, you know, on a tree at the foot of the Mount of Scandals. So she clear, he... He seemed to leave it to where she was saying that he, you know, just because he didn't, he didn't think that, you know, our Lord would be put to death, but that doesn't mean that he's not in hell. You know, Blessed Emmerich was clearly saying that, you know, he he went into complete despair. So it it wasn't the whole story. So I wanted to share that with you that, you know, her, her visions are, have been approved. They are completely in line yes. with sacred scripture all the way. Well, Valerie, I'm so grateful for your call. And the thing is that the reason despair is mortal. Um, it, you know, I've asked a number of people, why is, Ju- why is Judas in hell? And they've said because he betrayed Jesus, and that's not why. It's because he, um, he didn't have hope. When you lose hope, you lose faith in God because nothing with God is impossible and you don't understand the depth of his mercy. To despair, and I want, I want anybody listening, if you, if you tend to despair, that is mortal sin. You want God to have sympathy for you and to hug you. Oh, poor baby, but no. Uh, discouragement, yes, but you have to be careful with discouragement because it's a tool of the devil. And if it leads you to despair... You have cut God off uh, to say there's no hope. That's why the church teaches despair is a mortal sin. And so Judas did despair in hanging himself, and that's why he's in hell. That squares with what you said, Valerie. Yeah, she clearly says this. And and I knew that you hadn't read um, her book. Um, And they are they are extremely insightful into the lives. And she explains Judas's life and what his you know what he did and everything okay Um, but it was it has it has she she doesn't even infer that he's not in hell i mean she doesn't even go there yes i'm very grateful for your call today valerie and i hope the gentleman who called in yesterday um or at least who presented that question uh is listening and that it's helpful to him too i'm i'm grateful for your help today valerie god bless you and thanks so much oh thank you and bless you mother Thank you, Valerie. We have an email from someone who's written in anonymously and says, Hello, I have a question about taking God's name in vain. And of course, uh, we are not to take God's, it's the second commandment, we are not to take God's name in vain. Um, I am disabled, uh, he or she says, but trying to live a holy life. 
I have epilepsy, and it limits my ability to read, pray, and do physical activities I enjoy. My question is, how can I approach media, TV, movies, or video games and still live a life pleasing to God? And uh, dear Anonymous One, before I read the rest of your email, I'm going to say to you, you approach them the way any Catholic would. We only look at what is holy, and that's going to bring our hearts to God. There's no difference because you're ill or have epilepsy or any other physical limitation. We want to guard our senses, what we see and what we hear. This one continues, recently I listened to a priest say that when an actor takes the Lord's name in vain, he's committing a sin and therefore the movie becomes intrinsically evil. I agree with that. It colors the whole thing. Jesus said a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. You put a tiny bit of leaven in a loaf, it permeates everything. And so, yes, it permeates the whole movie. And, um, and this one says, I no longer know how to decide which shows or movies to watch. I used to just skip parts I thought were impure. Any guidance would be appreciated since I need ways to be entertained and relax. Well, I would suggest to you that you get good Catholic movies uh, from Ignatius Press, from um, uh, any good Catholic source. Um, um, Joyful Catholic is another one. Mother of Our Hope, Mother of Our Savior is another good source. Uh, Just get good Catholic films and you should be okay. Uh, she, or he, he or she says, I was thinking of playing video games, which are only sports like football or baseball. That way I could avoid violence, killing, and magic. Do you think this is a good idea? Thanks. No, I don't. Um, you can certainly play video games if, if you enjoy football and baseball, that kind of thing. But don't do that to avoid violence, killing, and magic. There's a whole Catholic world of video out there that is fantastic. In fact, there's a apostolate, I think it's in England, it's called Mary's, the Mary Foundation. They have a hundred videos uh, on a hundred saints, half hour videos or hour videos, documentaries, uh, the Mary Foundation. Everything is totally Catholic and pure. You, that's all you need to do is to get that. You don't need to avoid violence, killing, and magic through non-Catholic sources. And you don't need to skip impure parts. That's no good at all. So plenty of... Ask a good, solid Catholic friend to help you in getting good, solid Catholic resources. We have an email from Jim who says, Dear Mother, I love your show and the great work you are doing fighting for the truth. I have a quick question I've wondered about for some time. I was wondering if it's okay to give to a charity that is Protestant in origin. Now, when you say in origin, I'm guessing it's still Protestant. Clearly, if it is a Protestant mission, I do not believe it proper to do so. Well, how is it a Protestant mission how is it not Protestant if it's Protestant in origin? He says, or Jim says, but I'm speaking of where the line is gray, such as when they are doing humanitarian work, but also providing a Protestant education. There's no gray line there. A Protestant education is Protestant. And doing humanitarian work is Protestant or Catholic or Jewish or Muslim or Mormon, whatever it is. 
because people live out the faith they believe. And so if they're doing humanitarian work and also providing a Protestant education, that's clearly Protestant. Um, Is it a matter, Jim says, of a lesser of two evils? Is giving a life to people that would otherwise have none trumping the heretical education? This is sort of the course we have followed. I don't agree with it, Jim. I'm not saying you're sinning. I'm not saying you're doing wrong because you're giving to people who need food and education and all of that. But I would not give them a heretical education. I would not represent God and his mercy through a heretical mission. I would not do that. Jim says, for example, perhaps an extreme example, we give to Mully, I don't know Mully, M-U-L-L-Y, who has saved hundreds of children, taking homeless children off the street and providing them with food, clothes, shelter, and a safe upbringing. Well, blessed be God for Mully. Blessed be God for any apostolate who reaches out, Protestant, uh, secular, anyone who reaches out to homeless children and taking them off the street. Blessed be God for them. And he says, clearly it seems that providing life trumps the heretical education. But how about in less clear cases? Thank you, Mother Jim. Jim, I would say absolutely not. If you want to reach out to children and feed them and clothe them and take them off the street and teach them, I, I not long ago have seen the film A Time for Miracles, the story of Elizabeth Seton, who said the only true inheritance we can give an orphan is a, is a, um, is a true Catholic education. Uh, if you don't f- find a Catholic apostolate who's doing that, and if you don't, Jim, start one. Go into the streets, form a little class for children, and start teaching them. Catholics do that all over the place. There was one woman who wanted to join our um, congregation of Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, and she's in her current city, different state, and she's teaching the poor, and the parishes won't teach them, won't teach their children, their young children. No one's teaching them, and they're closing half the parishes. They have nobody. So they've come to her, and she's teaching them, street children and parish children who have no one to teach them the faith. And the reason she's not going to join us is because the need is so great, and that's what God has called her to, and I bless God for it. Go get a few Catholics together, or just yourself, as Mother Teresa started, and start teaching the poor and feeding them. Disciple them, one, two, three at a time. In fact, um, the, the priest of the Eucharist, the saint of the Eucharist, Julian Amard, that's how he began. He began teaching children who needed to be confirmed. They didn't have money, they were poor, but he began bringing them together and teaching them the Catholic faith uh, through to confirmation. It's a wonderful ministry. If you have a heart for that, Jim, go do it, but don't do it in anything but what is fully, fully Catholic. We have an email from Anastasia who says, Hello, Mother Miriam. I've recently discovered your wonderful videos and have brought me comfort. They have brought me comfort as well as laughter from time to time. They have challenged and inspired me. I'm very thankful for what you are doing. May God give, may God continue to bless you on this important mission. Thanks. Thank you, Anastasia. She says, I'm writing to humbly ask for your guidance with my son. He is lost to both 
He's lost to us both physically and spiritually right now. He is a very immature 18-year-old who has sadly been pulled in by woke and liberal ideology and who is now pursuing a transgender life. I tell you, Anastasia, this is like a stab to the heart to hear these things over and over again. And I'm tempted to say, what kind of home did he grow up in? Um, And I don't mean, did you take him to church? I don't mean, was he baptized or confirmed? I mean, how was the faith lived at home? How was the prayer life at home? When I hear something like this, it's just a stab to the heart. Um, uh, But I don't know the reason. Those are just questions that I ask parents to examine. There's the music for our final break, beloved. We'll have 10 minutes when we come back, and we'll continue Anastasia's email, and we'll take your calls as well. If there's anything on your heart, call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Join the Station of the Cross every Saturday morning at 9 after the 8 a.m. Holy Mass and Sunday afternoons at 2 for a teaching episode on the Catechism of the Catholic Church. You'll learn the essential and fundamental content of our Catholic faith and morals in a complete and concise way with clarity and charity. That's Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday afternoons at 2 here on the Station of the Cross, Catholic Media Network, and the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. Do you love listening to the Station of the Cross on your car radio, but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area? Never miss another minute of your favorite show. Download the iCatholic Radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day. The iCatholic Radio app is available for your phone in the Apple Store or for your Android phone in Google Play. Visit thestationofthecross.com for more information. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. 
uh, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We do have 10 minutes. Our lines are wide open, and you're absolutely welcome to call in with anything on your heart if you wish. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We just began before the break an email from Anastasia who says, I'm writing to humbly ask for your guidance with my son. He is lost to us both physically and spiritually right now. He's a very immature 18-year-old who has sadly been pulled in by woke and liberal ideology and who is now pursuing a transgender life. He has chosen to leave our home against our wishes, knowing that we do not support this and has been gone for several months. We are terrified for his soul as he pursues physical changes and a life that will harm him in many ways. We have been praying fervently and diligently for him, and we have tried many times to reach out to him. He either responds with vitriol, which we think is being fueled by those who are helping him, or he ignores us altogether. We have reasons to suspect that he is straying, staying in a shelter for adolescent girls. Oh, my. They are helping him with the particulars of all that is involved in his decision. I know that we do not have legal rights to bring him back home, and we cannot even reach out to a professional willing to counsel him, uh, to counsel him as we live in Canada, and they have made this a punishable offense that could result in a prison sentence. Oh, my goodness. You certainly can reach out to a a professional willing to counsel him if he was willing and the professional was Catholic or someone who um, would not make it known that he's getting counseling. If both parties wanted it, that would be fine. We have other young children at home to protect and care for as well. And I have read stories of children being removed from traditional Catholic homes for reasons such as this. I am not sure what else I can do other than prayer. Do you have any suggestions that may help our son? Many thanks for your consideration, for your prayers. I'm a broken-hearted mother trying desperately to help her son. God bless Anastasia. Anastasia, I wish I knew more the situation with you and your husband, if you're both Catholic, uh, the ages of your other children, and how you live the faith at home. I wish I knew a little more in order to give you help. But I think at this point, uh, just pray for your son. Pray for him. When you speak with him, don't speak harshly. Uh, Only speak the truth in love. Never withhold the truth. Say, honey, uh, we're not against you. We're against Satan. And we believe that God alone is the creator, and you are rejecting who he made you to be. And that is always wrong, um, to mutilate your body and, and to be other than who God made you. And you'll never be as free inside as you will be when you are who God made you to be. So just speak in love, speak the truth when you have the opportunity to speak with him and nothing else. And... Um, I don't know who your other children are, what their ages, but make sure you pray the rosary as a family every single night for your sons. Uh, pray for God to and our blessed mother to bring him to faith, um, to bring him back to God, to bring him to sanity, and to make him a hero, to make him a saint of a man. Pray that every night, trust in God, and be sure 
that your other children are being taught the faith at home. Be sure it's being lived at home. Don't let them see any contradiction between your, between what you teach them and what you live. And again, if I, if a, a child is homeschooled, there's no liberal theology or wokeness that they could join because they're not even exposed to it. So um, that's a very dangerous situation. So I would examine how your children are being taught and the influences you are allowing them to have. We have an email from Richard. Dear Mother, I'm 70 years old and listen to you occasionally via podcast. I hope you can answer the following question for me on the air sometime soon. I was brought up Catholic from infancy by a nominal Catholic family afflicted with alcoholism. And for those of you who don't know the use of the term nominal, when it comes to religion, it means in name only not practicing. So I was brought up a Catholic from infancy by a nominal Catholic family afflicted with alcoholism and secular humanism. According to them, the only important thing in life was to get a good job and make money. And human-oriented, human-originated common sense was the source of all life, not God. One of the chief things they taught me was that anything said, done, or believed by any Catholic priest, brother, sister, prelate, uh, had the instant automatic endorsement of God, even if he didn't like it. This is insane. And even if it was sick, stupid, or even satanic, as long as it did not involve murder or sexual molestation on the grounds that they're only human. They felt that in such cases, God on his throne could only shrug his shoulders and say, I don't like this, but it's my only true church and times are changing, so what can I do? I'm only God. End quote. I can't believe such a thing. And he says, I could never accept this in my heart. Good for you. How do you feel about this, Mother? Thank you very much for your time, Richard. Richard, dear, um, what your parents are saying, what you were taught to think, is, um, is this the height of blasphemy? They, they have no clue who God is. Uh, the God who exists would vomit them out of his mouth if he heard those words. Um, and I say that because he said you could be lukewarm, hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. And it's better for them to be cold and deny the truth than to say God would accept such sin. Um, uh, I don't know where you're at right now with your family, uh, how, uh, what, what age you are, but you must completely reject, as you say, the secular humanism, the nominal Catholicism that you were brought in, up in. God is God, and he is a just God, and uh, no one will come into his presence with sin, no one. No unholy thing shall enter heaven. The only way to God is to repent, to ask for his forgiveness, and to come into the church he established, not as a nominal Catholic, but as a true child of God, and to love him. And Jesus said to love him. If you love me, he doesn't say you'll feel good about me. He doesn't say you'll have an emotional feeling of love. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you don't keep your, his commandments, or you think they're foolishness, 
um, then you don't love him and you don't know him and you're not Catholic. You can call yourself Catholic, nominal Catholic, but you are not. Yeah, but I was baptized. There are going to be baptized Catholics in hell. Are you serious, Mother? I am serious. Because you're baptized does not give you a ticket to heaven. If you reject God, he will reject you. If you come back to him, he will receive you like the prodigal son was received by the father with open arms. But there's no ticket to heaven because you were baptized. In fact, because you were baptized and confirmed and had sacraments and went to church all your young life makes you many times more accountable than someone who's never had that background. So put your family behind you and come to God on your knees and go to a priest and ask him to teach you the true faith and get somebody to disciple you and come into the church as a true son of God. And if you've already done that and you've been confirmed, go to confession and get a mentor or a spiritual director to guide you, dear one. God bless you, Richard. That's our closing music for today, dear ones. Um, We will, God willing, speak with you tomorrow. And I pray that you live for God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is our vocation on earth. That is why we have breath. There's no second priority. God bless you.